Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with Andy Brand Bernard and Cassie Schrader. Tim Lammers joining us this hour. We're going to be talking movies, more Chris Jericho in the second hour. Stay tuned for more of the family. Walzer Automotive introduces the new kids on the block, not the band. It's their three newest dealerships. Experience the Walzer way at Wyzetta Nissan on 394 or Walzer Polar Chev and Walzer Polar Mazda on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake. I've had all three general managers on the podcast, and I can honestly say that Mike, John, and Brett are some of the finest car people in the seven-county Mosquito Control District. This month, in addition to great deals, they're searching for used cars and will pay Kelly Blue Book Excellent whether you trade or sell outright. Some reconditioning can't apply, so please, no flood cars from Apple Valley. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Chevy, Mazda, or Nissan, check out the new kids on the block. Don't tell them Tom sent you. Just show up and be amazed. That stuff never works anyway. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Welcome back to the family. For Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader sitting in today. Joining me now on a movie Monday, Tim Lammers. Debbie! How does your dad do that? How day? How day? How are you? Good. How about you, Are you sir? recovered from the long weekend? I'm recovering from the long movie known as Midsummer. that's for sure. <laughs> you will not get me within a mile of that movie. That sounds exactly what... This director, what is his name? Ari Aster. What is his name? So, yeah, something like that. Ari Aster. <laughs> he's I don't got, he, sounds, he sounds like he's got issues. Well, here, here's what I will tell you. Now, this is the new movie by the guy that did Hereditary. Andy, Melissa, did you guys see Hereditary? No, nope, but I've heard of it. But I know what it is. Yeah, here we go. Ari Aster. That is yeah, his name. It's billed as a horror movie, and it was certainly... It was weird. It's a it was folk a, horror movie. Yeah, a folk horror movie. Whatever that means. And then... Midsummer is his follow-up. Now, I'll tell you this. Um, it's it's outside-of-the-box thinking, which I appreciate when it comes to horror. It is beautifully shot. It's cinematic, I mean, in a scope that it feels very much like you're 
I don't know, would you say like a, a National Geographic special, like you're watching? Yeah, the, they have like a lot of wide shots of scenery. I mean, it's just beautiful. And you're like, watching this different culture. Yeah. So that I, I respect it. And I like, it was just a, for the, <laughs> the other problem I ran into is it's just, there's no real likable character. There's no. nobody to attach to or care if they're in dire need. So that's, that's always the problem with horror movies. It's like, I have to care if they're in trouble. Right. Or you just, well, I mean, there. this is the bad part of it. It's like there were two characters in the movie. I'm like, oh, boy, I can't wait for them to die. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a good sign when you're, yeah. when, like, there's people you just want to, to cack out. Um, it's, I, I'm not going to beat it up, but it's two yeah, hours well, and 20 know, but, minutes long for a horror movie. Two hours and 20 yeah, minutes but you, long. You know, that first film he did, though, Hereditary, I mean. Yeah. There was a case where you did feel for that character, the mother right. character in particular, and the brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was it was a disturbing film, um, a, a relatable film. And to me, it was a film about real life horrors, right? Right. Um, and and clearly, you know, obviously because of the success of that film, and 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 believe me, Tony Collette should have been nominated for Best Actress Oscar. I mean, and and she could have won. I mean, I just thought she was that amazing in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they turned this guy loose now. They gave him whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, creative freedom. And, I, and this, is, this again, is going merely on what, why, I, I read why did it get the, it was an R-rated film, but by the sounds of it, it sounds like it could have been an, an NC-17. Um, no. But no. I read Really? No. But, but but I read some of the disturbing things that happened <laughs> on IMDb, and I thought, okay, this will not, this is not going to ever make it on my viewing list. I'm sorry. Right, well, I don't, just, I don't know. It I don't think there's anything beyond the boundaries. I don't think there's anything in this movie that's any more unsettling than most horror movies, uh, like Saw, um, Hostel. Well, yeah, Saw. That's some of those were, were way more over the top. Was my yeah. point. Yeah. This to me, you know, there's. Um, some unexpected deaths at the beginning, which again was kind of horrific. Someone but it has a heart attack on the plane. That kind of vibe oh, to geez. it, yeah. But it's <laughs> it's like nothing slash and dash. And then there's there is uh, two murders that are pretty graphic. But you know, other than that, I don't think it was much worse than any of the other horror fare. And this one gets you thinking but, through most of it more. So I, I give him, like I said, I give him credit for originality. You you mentioned Saw and Hostel though, which sort of indicates to me anyway that it's it it feels it falls within that torture porn, uh, that that genre. No, no, Does I said it? I said that those movies were much worse to me. They were much worse, right. so it's not as bad as those. Right. There's. Really... I, I don't know. I mean, again, I. Ugh. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I'm going to tell I, I you. Whatever you, I read, man. You know, if you add the gore up, I, I think you're reading some overhyped, oversensitive people writing. There, there are there are two deaths that are horrific, but in the cosmic scope of a two hour and twenty minute movie, their deaths take up twenty two seconds. So. Mm. You know, I mean, I guess you can sit there and be hung up on that and, and let that get to you. Um, but to me, it's but, also very cartoony looking. It's very uh, uh, Roadrunner, the way it happens. But does it stay with you, though? Mm-hmm. See, that whole thing with Hereditary was that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe still, I mean, talking about the film, it brings it right back. That stuff stayed with me a long time. So whether it be two seconds or 22 seconds, whatever the case may be, you know, if it has that sort of impact on you, 
you know, again, those images can be really, really powerful and, and uh, make the whole film. I well, mean, well, I had a good friend of mine who saw it people. and told me, you've got to go see it. It's horrific from start to finish. My stomach was in knots. I was nauseous and I was really expecting something. And I didn't feel that way through the movie. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I thought it was a little too slow in building. But it's still, you know, I, I don't even know how to rate it. It's like hereditary to me. It's like one of those movies where I saw it. I'm not sure what I saw. Uh, it was at least beautifully shot. It was well acted. You know, out of five stars, I'd give it a solid three. Just for hmm. originality and and the way it was shot. But other than that, I don't know. You know, I, again, I prefer people that are thinking outside the box when they're trying to get into your head. This is more like a psychological thriller than it is mm-hmm. horror. So I don't know where the folkloric horror aspect comes in. It feels much more cult-like in this uh, deal. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole concept is that this group of friends from America go over to is it Sweden? Yeah. Sweden with um, a, a student that they go to college with to be a part of this midsummer festival that only takes place once every like 90 years or some goofy thing. And he meets the, the cult group that they're with. And, you know, they, they're very loving and sweet and very Manson like feeling <laughs> through most of it. You know, they've got that uh, hippie vibe going. It, it's almost like a cross between the Mansons and um, uh, the Amish. And then, you know, then, then you start to see the weird, underpinnings of the entire thing happen so it's me again decent movie not great i'd see it on a uh, red box rental is one of those kind of things <laughs> on a rainy crappy minnesota saturday uh other than that, i don't know that i'd rush out to the movies for it mm. so interesting yeah interesting i don't know we'll see we'll see at least with video i mean if it gets too disturbing i can a shut it off or be skip past it I, I'd know, offer to so, come hold and, your and, hand and, you through know, it. This is the sort of thing our, I, 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 I haven't read so far. Have been people been walking out of it at all? Is it that? Not that we saw. Well, and I, I even mentioned to Dave too. I leaned, I looked over and I'm, I'm like, I find it so disturbing that somebody actually thinks like this and put it puts it on well, the big screen. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> I find that that's, weird. That's, Maybe yeah, I'm just that's, twisted because exactly it didn't it. impact me that way at all. I don't know. Watch it and let me know, Lammers. Get back to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah we'll, we'll put that one at the bottom of the list. Yeah, so, well, you know. You know, for me, the screenings, again, it's like a window opening and shutting, and if I don't catch the screening, chances are I won't see it on the big screen. I will see it on video. So, you know, certainly, of course, I, I, I caught um, the movie, the big movie that sort of brought um, – the summer box office back to life with Spider-Man far from home. I mean, yes, you know, we were hitting a lot of films there uh, that they were calling it the summer slump or whatever, you know, what is it? They, there, there was a term that they were using a lot. Um, and, and, and it seems like that wasn't the case this weekend with the box office. No, well, Spider-Man far from home. I mean, that's the newest version of the Marvel universe after the, Endgame storyline. And I'll tell you, I've been a, a lifelong Spider-Man fan. I really like the first two Tobey Maguire movies. Third one mm-hmm. left me flat. The reboot with Andrew Garfield, I felt was horrible and, and went nowhere. And then... Really? Yeah, oh. I didn't care for those. I just, I didn't think he was dynamic as Peter Parker. I, I didn't get the, nope. the concept of where they I were going the with it. I the first one. 
Well, the I only, liked the first one. I didn't like. I didn't like the second one, but the, I did like. The only thing that brought that Andrew Garfield brought to the table is got a bunch of fangirls out to go see it yeah. because he's good looking. I mean, that was a big thing. At least Toby Toby McGuire. I mean, yes, he's awkward and weird, but that's the whole point of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of dorky. So it's and kind nerdy, of yeah. and like everyone was like, oh, "I hated it. Andrew Garfield's way better," and I'm just like, "Okay." Well, Andrew no. Garfield to me was too emo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't want that. And they tried to do that to Peter Parker in the third Spider-Man Raimi yep. movie. Um, yeah, which So I didn't like it. But this Toby, or not Toby, uh, what the hell is his name? Holland. Tom Holland. Tom. I love him as I Peter just... Parker and Spider-Man. Although, what's really weird in this movie, like his face hasn't aged. He still looks like he could be a 15-year-old <laughs> kid, but now he's, it's like you've removed his body and put it on a 20-year-old Schwarzenegger. It just doesn't look right to me. <laughs> well, uh, and you know, that was the, the great part about how they explained about the blip. Right. Where he disappeared at the end of Infinity War. Spoiler alert. And um, <laughs> came back. From five and, years and ago. And people, all of a sudden, there are students that didn't uh, get flipped out, and they were five years older, yet uh, these guys didn't age. Nor did Zendaya, nor did his friend. Right. Um, you know, nobody that uh, went through it. So that that was, a, I like that. You know, I like that whole aspect of the plot because, again, uh, you know, five years passed in, an, in uh, Endgame, and he would have been out of, obviously, graduated out of high school. Right. It would have been Peter Parker in college or whatever. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. Franchise fatigue is the term I was looking for. Yes. Hollywood Reporter was talking about how Spider-Man beat franchise fatigue because you had your Men in Black and uh, uh, X-Men and how many other films have underperformed this summer so far. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me that it, it did well. It's a good movie. It's a, it's a great movie. I really liked it a lot. I'd agree. I, there are a lot of people saying they like it better than the first Tom Holland. I really liked Homecoming. And I love the fact that I they're going too. after more obscure characters. The Vulture, in this one, Mysterio. Um, so I, I really appreciate that they didn't jump right back in with Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the easier tropes to, to jump into. So I really like these characters. I like the reimagining. Uh, I, I can get past some of the, you know, I think a lot of the purists, purists just hate that they've shuffled so much of the universe in... The way of, all right, now Mary Jane is um, a, a mixed racial girl. She's not the fiery redhead we always knew her to be. But I don't think this is the same Mary Jane because she's not Mary Jane Watson. She's, I don't, I, I, I'm not understanding exactly where they're going with some aspects of this movie uh, franchise. But I've just enjoyed it for what it is. It's a great reboot of the Spider-Man story. I think they've handled it well. They've made him a little too much of a kid to my taste, just in the sense that he always feels like he's insecure. Spider-Man, when wearing the costume, was never insecure. He was Spider-Man. And even in the costume, he just seems like he's always questioning everything he does. But I'd say it's definitely out of five stars. I'd give it a good solid four and a half stars for this one. And it was a a fun story. It's it's cool, but I really kind of hope they pull away from the Tony Stark connections and just let the kids start being Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, look, I, I think it was a good move. I mean, you just can't he, he just can't move on. And especially the way they connected it, you know, to the story of uh, right. Endgame and Infinity War with the blip. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and at the same time, too, I mean, he had a presence, but it was great how they brought in uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Colby Smulders and, and um, John Febro. 
and have them sort of be the representatives of, you know, the, the Avengers in a way, the Avengers right. films. So, yeah, and, and, and again, Mysterio, I mean, for me, uh, it, it was a great character, and I really liked Jake Gyllenhaal a lot, too. I so did, too. That was, that was a very solid uh, casting decision. Plus, I was reminding some people that after Seabiscuit, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, because Tobey Maguire was having back issues, I don't know if they actually officially recast him, but he was waiting in the wings ready to take over for Tobey Maguire uh, for Spider-Man 2, right. I believe. Or it could have been 3. It was one of those films. No, it was Spider-Man. And, it was uh, supposed to be Spider-Man 2 because he injured his back in Spider-Man, but then he came back and completed the last two movies. So, yeah, Gyllenhaal's always kind of been yeah, out there. Yeah, so it was kind of a cool sort of inside thing to to have him as Mysterio. Plus, what a cool-looking character. Right. You know? And, and trippy visuals, which I really like, too. I mean... Visual effects are, are just that. I mean, they're so you, – you just sort of come to expect them to be great, and they are. But, you know, what he did, uh, what they did with the visuals for this particular film uh, were pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a really entertaining movie. And I, I, that is one that I will probably see again. In the so what's your rating on it overall? Mine was 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, either. so it's like a 3.5 out of 4 sort yeah. of deal. But you go, you go five, don't you? Yeah, because I like to be able to take it past a middle point somewhere. I want to have, like, if I want to just put it in the middle, three is a good place to be. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about yesterday. Uh, also, a couple other cool little teases to the Spider-Man movie. Stay tuned. We've got more coming your way right here on The Family. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Dramatic remix. It's from Homecoming. Uh... 
couldn't find like the original. We're no. back. This is the family sitting in for Tom Bernard. We'll be back with you Wednesday, right? He's back in. Yeah. I think so. You're releasing him We're from hoping. the basement bondage at that point. <laughs> we will uh, let Tom back in studio on Wednesday. I'll be here with you today and tomorrow. I'm Dave Schrader. Uh, Tim Lammers on the line. We're talking movies. There was for people that are interested. There are two endings to Spider-Man. There's a mid-credit roll scene that really kind of sets up what I think will be the next segment of the movie uh, for them. And then there's a, a rap scene right at the very end. And not quite sure what that's leading us to, but it seems like it's it's leading us to some bigger scope story that'll be part of the next Marvel Universe phase where I'm sure they'll drag all the superheroes together again. Uh, but there are two two endings. Well, technically three, I guess, if you consider the end of the movie, then the mid-roll, <laughs> then the end. So there, there are three endings to the movie you can sh- uh, stay through and see. Um, yeah, I, it's a great flick. I just think it's a lot of fun. You were you were bringing up, uh, Cassie, the uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. And Andy, I don't know if you have seen that. Did you get a chance to see that one, Tim? Yes, I did. And talk about trippy visuals. Beautiful, yes. right? I said right yeah, after we came yeah. out of the theater, I said that movie's going to win an Academy Award. As a matter of fact, I made the year beginning prediction saying mm-hmm. that that movie would win the best animated. And Andy, I, I think when from what you just related to me, you kind of have a different concept on it. These aren't like a bunch of individual stories regarding all the different versions of Spider-Man. They're all pulled into one universe. So you have like six different spider <laughs> characters that are pulled into one. Oh. And then they're trying to figure out their way back and yeah. what what happened in this universe oh, to draw them okay. in you even have peter porker yeah the spectacular <laughs> spider ham which was a, a silly fun little comic book series they did back in the 80s uh mm-hmm. where a radioactive uh pig bit a spider <laughs> and turned him into peter they porker did all sorts spe- of those weird oh yeah things. very weird trippy versions but uh, well, it's like uh, did you know that there's more lanterns than the green lantern there's like the white lantern and the yeah. orange lantern and stuff <laughs> yeah. well the red lantern is named dexstar and he is a cat. Yes. Oh. He, the Red Lantern is the embodiment of anger. Mm-hmm. And he saw his owner get murdered. So he got so mad that the Red Lantern was like, even though you're a cat. Really? You is can be the Red Lantern. The cat, or is it just because he's a wackadoo cat? Well, I mean, they also threw him off a bridge. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it. But uh, Into the Spider-Verse is great. If you guys haven't seen it, it's really a fun mm-hmm. romp. And it's, yeah, it's, it's on too. Netflix now. Yes. Yeah. So it, check that out. It's beautiful because it really it felt like a comic book coming to life without yeah. it looking too much like a comic book. Like, yeah. You know how sometimes they try too much to look like a comic book, but yeah, it just doesn't work when that kind of animation or lack of animation, I guess, is yeah. moving around. Yeah, it just this, looks weird. This but. was fantastic. I mm-hmm. love the animation in it. And the the storytelling was good. I mean, honestly, Tim, that to me was one of the better superhero movies, period, to come out in the last four or five years. Well, just because it gave us something different. Right. You know, like you were saying, I mean, I, again, I think one of the uh, big problems with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was they brought the Green Goblin back in right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many times do we have to see this story? Whereas, you know, this one, and again, it's been a while. I've only seen uh, Into the Spider-Verse once, so... I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but again, I do know that it brought some characters in that we haven't seen before. Right, yeah. so that's great. And, and such, just right? much in the same way that this one, that the new Spider-Man Far From Home brought in Mysterio, you know? So I, I love that. I love that they bring in, they have to, mm-hmm. you know? They just have to. I mean, who wants to see the same thing over and over and over again? 
Well, and I'm a lifelong superhero fan, so I've been excited to watch this kind of unfold. But if they all decided, let's just take five years off right now, I would have no problem mm-hmm. with just breaking from the yeah. superhero genre because it, to me, there is a huge superhero fatigue going on to me. I'm just, I'm even getting to the point where it's like, <clears throat> oh, okay, that's coming out next. I guess I'll go see it. I, I just, I'm losing the same awe and wonder that I had because there's so much coming out from so many universes. And then any kind of offshoot comic books are starting to get their own movies now. And I I think Todd McFarlane's bringing Spawn back as a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple other, and okay, fine. I like those reimaginings. If you're going to bring it back in a different light, great. Let's, let's revisit that. But I'm getting, I, I think I, it almost hurts my tongue to say it, but well, I think how, I'm, I'm tired of superheroes. Has in, has anyone checked to see how Brightburn has done in the box office? I don't think it did well at all. See, you would think that with this regular superhero fatigue, something like that, which is kind of the polar opposite of what we're so used to watching, that would have been big. What mm-hmm. movie are you talking it's about? It's called Brightburn. It's about. It's Brightburn. kind of like the... It's what if, uh, it, what if Clark Kent would have landed on Earth? But he oh, wouldn't have been yeah. inherently good like he is. What if he was? He had all the defective? superpowers, but for yeah, used well, it for evil. Bat- evil. Uh, it did okay. I mean, the release of a, that one. It had a relatively sorry, low budget, six to twelve million, which is low for a superhero they, they re- film. They released that without a. They didn't even have a press screening for that one. Right. Wow. But it made and thirty-one. It was released on so. a weekend where it was busy, very busy, mm-hmm. that particular weekend too. So. Yeah, but it made it in and out of theaters pretty quick because I know I wanted to go see it. And by you know, two, three weeks after it came out, I couldn't find it in any theaters. Yeah. So that's a bit of a shame. But I, I that's what I was looking forward to. And I kind of wish if these universes are going to spin off, I would like to see them do one-off movies. Like uh, in the DC universe, they call them Elseworlds, where they take well-known characters and put them into, you know, like what if Bruce Wayne had been in England and was Robin Hood, right? Mm-hmm. He was a Robin Hood character or something. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, they, they play up the Batman angle if he would have been in medieval times or, you know, right. or what if Clark Kent would have landed in Gotham and Martha and uh, Thomas Wayne found him <laughs> and raised him as their own. Mm-hmm. And so he would have become Batman. So it's just, I like those different versions and I'd like to see more of that kind of the originality and creativity and taking us outside the box than just to keep seeing what they're doing currently. Yeah. So the Elseworlds would be great. I'd like to see some of the what if comic books come to life, but I you know, I think they're just gonna stick with their uh in universe stuff and and well, continue on that. Speaking of comic books, mm-hmm. what um they just is put out the last issue of Walking Dead. Uh-oh. And then yeah. It's gonna but, come to an end. Well they're planning on doing movies and my when did they plan on do you know when they're planning on coming out with those? Well, I guess well, Netflix... wasn't that the plan to bring Rick back in the a series of three films? Or right, they're going to be Netflix films, which was surprising to me. Oh wow! Um, to continue on his travels in the universe, um, hmm. you know, he got uh, spoiler alert. You know, at the <laughs> a mid part of last season, it looked as though he had been blown up, but he he checked out and went got somewhere else. Somebody else abducted him. And uh, they said he'll never return to the Walking Dead universe that we know. So the ongoing TV series, we'll never see him again. But he's going to get three standalone movies that'll wrap up his storyline. And now that the comic books wrapped up his storyline, that may be giving us a sight into how Rick will finally mm-hmm. leave the series. But in well, uh, how, the, how is the show doing in the ratings now? Because the only stories I ever read. I mean, remember there was a time where it was like plastered all over the place. Right. About the show. 
But the only stories I read are weekly about how it's down double digits from last year. And those in the previous years were down double digits from the year before. You just read about how the thing is tumbling in the ratings, yet it keeps getting renewed. So I don't even know where it's at. You also have to look at what is going on um, in TV entertainment. Their tumbling in the ratings means maybe they went from 22 million viewers to 13 million. 13 million is still a massive amount of viewers for a cable network. So it it may have tumbled, but it's kind of like the Minnesota Vikings. This year is a rebuilding year. <laughs> last year was a rebuilding. We ended the story of Rick Grimes. We spent the last half of the season rebuilding. And truthfully, mm-hmm. uh, Cassie and I just got done watching the entire run. It, it got better without Rick Grimes in that last seven, eight episodes. Yes, it usually does. So did they bring in a Kirk Cousins sort of character is what you're telling me? Yes, and, and they're finally giving Jeffrey Dean Morgan that you can see that they're building him up to be – more of the protagonist for the new series and, and some new characters. So I really like the way they've developed it, and I, I'm excited good. to see where it goes. So well, I think that'll reinvigorate the the series for a while. He's right. good now? No, no, but they've made him... Well, he's been slowly okay. transforming. He's been, for those of you that don't know, uh, Negan, the bad guy from The Walking Dead, has basically been in prison for six years, just uh, locked in a jail cell. Right but has had some deal. He finally gets out at one point and realizes it's not his world anymore and comes back to jail. Uh, and then you slowly see his progression of, listen, yeah. let me help you. So I know you're how saying to do I things. should pick up where I left yes. off. Yeah, I like that. Definitely. It, okay, because I got, I got bored. Like, mm-hmm. it was the same thing. Oh, like, bringing Negan in was great because it finally was, like, a really scary, like, <clears throat> That he's really scary. Yeah, <laughs> he's a villains like, make Negan seem yeah. pretty tame. Oh, yes. okay. Well, yeah. I, but I got bored because it was just like the same thing. And then, and then Rick, he's always got this. Oh gosh, I mean, whenever he wasn't in an episode, I feel like that episode was much better. Like I like him, but too much of him is too much of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it was like I just kind of stopped watching. I think I stopped watching like after the first season of Negan. Oh, so seven? It's, it's well worth it. Yeah, I think it's seven. Revisit, come back to it. Um, I well, I think eight, actually, because Negan was eight. Then nine was kind of the follow okay. up. So then I watched eight. Right. But I didn't. I didn't. It's worth. Watching. It's worth picking up. Now I know Tim Lammers quit on it, and I think Michael Bryan quit on it after Negan was introduced because of his violent introduction. Well, yeah. Well, Mike Mike Bryan quit on it after the fake. A Glenn death. Oh, yes. The under- oh. The oh, and then he actually died. And I, so. and I quit on it after the uh, opening episode where Negan bashed people's heads, and that was enough. Yeah. 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 I just so closed that, my eyes. You know, I just go, yeah. I think weird. So. I've never quit a show like that. That's so abruptly. I, I you know, think. That's never happened. Sometimes, you know, they, they've drifted off where I've DVR'd them. It's like, you know, a show and. Yeah. Oh, two, three episodes behind. Eventually, the kids tape something else, delete it. Then it just kind of falls to the wayside. Well, to be fair, it it is very gross and scary and just disturbing scene. So I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just when it happened, I just closed my eyes and yeah. then occasionally peeked to yeah. see if I could start watching it again because <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. But the reboot, and now they're adding a third series. To the deal, so that'll answer your question there too, Tim. Is how how is the series doing? Well enough to bring about a third series. So they've got Walking Dead, Fear the Walking yeah. Dead, 
Boy, they're really walking dead. I don't know what the third one's going to be called. But <laughs> the running dead. They're yeah. really the dead. running so, dead. So um, they've got those three plus the Rick. The strolling dead. Yeah, the Rick Grimes <laughs> movies. So huh. I think it must be doing pretty well to to do this. And then they've been slowly blending characters from The Walking Dead into the Fear of the Walking oh, Dead good. series. And um, kind of re- redoing that. So there's there's still some I life in it. But the comic movie. book series, yeah, that was a surprise. They killed in issue 192. They finally killed Rick. And um, 193 came out and surprised everybody, and it just stopped the series. And Kirkman said, mm-hmm. well, I didn't want people to know that. I hate knowing when the end is coming. I just, as a matter of fact, he had made comic books, comic book shops buy like eight more ep- issues mm-hmm. because he wasn't leading them to believe that this was the end. People, I think, were gearing up to think issue 200 would be uh, it. Yeah. And then 193 hit, and it was the end of the, the story mm-hmm. arc. Hmm. So it was. Uh, I haven't. I haven't read it, but I'm interested. I've got well, the omnibus version of the first yeah, hundred. Yeah, just like Elton John's last tour. This guy could bring it back. Well, they don't <laughs> need to. They've got all the other Jared's series. 80th farewell tour. Yeah. With, wow, well, you are so cynical. He could, well, he could though because he. <laughs> they will. Kirk, Kirkman is kind of just a weird guy. I mean, I've watched numerous um, episodes of the talk show Talking Dead where he's on there and every time i'm just like you're weird no wonder mm-hmm. why you write this yeah. <laughs> well, you're super strange six, 16 years yeah he's been doing this yeah. so you know after 16 years and making your billion dollars i think it might uh, if if there was a time to dip out now would be a good time to just let everybody else take the race yeah but he's gonna get he bored carpal tunnel handing those checks over to the bank <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that can wear a man out i'd like to find out personally if that's true but uh you know <laughs> it uh, the Walking Dead has I think resurfaced. So give it a shot again. You yeah. know you got to get through the first. I don't know if I can get deal. him to watch it though. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. Andy it's... does not like gore. On well, the thing I can't get over uh-huh. with the Walking Dead, from what little I've seen, the main characters seem to go to great lengths to surround themselves with bad people, when they could just be like. Well, that's all. No thing more is murderers. They slowly change they throughout slowly, the series to yeah. get to that point. So uh, you realize the world has changed. People are horrible. It's not until Negan where they start to like realize they have to one, be more one, hardball. Yeah, uh, but one thing I love about the show, and no other zombie genre really has done this, is that it makes you feel empathy for the zombies. They didn't ask for this. They, you know. I don't have empathy for the really? My wife is now. She's I part do, of the I right to afterlifers. Nope. <laughs> She's already out there protesting season 10 with her little picket sign. We have to take a quick break. We'll come back and cover it when we do. Stay tuned. We got more of the family right after this. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 
S-O-L-D. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I miss this. Welcome back to the Family Walking Dead Edition. Wow, you did that perfectly. Because I went... I am sitting in Tom's seat. I'm getting hit the posts from time to time. <laughs> We're back. Tim Lammers, our entertainment reporter on hand. Well, Fido only made $300,000 in the box office. Right. Yes. But then it went on to make $3 million in DVD sales. So For those of you that don't that know what we were talking movie. about during the uh, commercial break, there's oh, a movie. Oh, did we not bring that No, up? that was just between oh. us. But the uh, there's a movie called Fido starring Billy Connolly that's a zombie genre movie that's really well done, totally outside the box, and it's a fun movie. And I'm so bummed that it never made a bigger mark because it's, it's funny, it's irreverent, and it's great. Have you ever seen that one, uh, Tim? No, but you. I think you've sent the, the link to the trailer to me before. Now, here's the funny thing. I love Billy Conley. Billy right. Conley is one of my favorite comedians of all time. I just, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm surprised that I haven't gotten around to it yet. But I definitely have to. Well, you, you're a slacker with not much to do during the day. Why don't you just watch it today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Well, uh, all right, so we talked Walking Dead. We've talked uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. We talked about Midsummer, which I'm sorry uh, to say. But let's <laughs> talk about uh, what I think is a great little movie that, again, I don't feel is getting a whole lot of traction out there yesterday, which was yeah. uh, released recently in the theaters. And it's a, it's an interesting little story, this, uh, this middling musician who has ambitions of greatness but just can't break through gets hit by a car. And when he wakes up, nice. when he wakes up and comes back to consciousness, he lives in a world where the Beatles never existed. I've heard so many different people are saying that different things happen to make him travel into this other time. It is, it's weird. Well, there's yeah, a, well, there's a blackout too. Yeah, there's, there's a, a rolling blackout. blackout and got hit by a right. Car. Well, the oh. rolling blackout is what causes him to get hit by a car because the lights go down and a truck hits him because ah, it's dark. Okay, but when he wakes up, but you find out he may not be the only one that wakes up in that world realizing that there's no mm. Beatles. So it's 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 a really well-done flick, and then he spends the majority of the movie kind of re-releasing Beatles music, and he's a great singer. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's a great little singer, great entertainer yeah. in this, and... I miss Patel is his name. Yes. And uh, mm. he is really, really spectacular. And, um, you know, the thing about the film is, you know, when you're talking about its success... Yes, it, it is maddening when you want when you love a film and you want it to do better. But really, I mean, when it's it was made for twenty five million dollars, so you know, no doubt it'll make its money back. It's not a failure by any means. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's it, it really is. It's really original. That's what I think I like about it the most. And 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 really, if you think about it, a simple idea, the sort of idea which I've said many times now, but. Filmmakers or whoever you know wrote the source material must be thinking, why didn't I think of that? What a what a great concept! 
And, uh, you know, of course, you got to execute that concept, which I think they did, too. You know, so it, it just worked worked all around for me. Yeah, it, it was really well done, well acted, beautifully shot. And, you know, I just read an article, I wish I could find it now, that, you know, this is based kind of on a real case. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Chad and Jeremy, who which were two singers in the 60s, and were oh, kind of okay, mid- yeah. middling singers, well, one of them was related to Paul McCartney's girlfriend, Jane Asher. And mm-hmm. Paul was living with them at the Asher estate, and the Ashers were very well-to-do. And Chad and Jeremy needed a good hit song, so McCartney gave them a song, and they blew up with it. And then it was a song that Lennon had rejected them releasing as a Beatles tune, and this was at the beginning of the Beatles' big run. And then McCartney wrote their second song, which blew up. So they kind of were living this life of recording Beatles songs without Mm. the world knowing it, and their music was blown up, which showed you the power that McCartney had, that even just as an author of a song that nobody knew he wrote, he had that kind of ability that anybody singing it Mm -hmm. could become famous. And so that's, yeah, that's kind of the real story behind it. A World Without Love, I think, is was one of the songs. Right. And that, you know, it's funny enough, Dave, I was just reading about this this past weekend. And even though Lennon rejected it, the song, again, like the Beatles songs, um, all credited to Lennon and McCartney. So even though McCartney wrote it, right. it was still credited to both of them. And then, of course, McCartney, I think, was billed as a single songwriter on this. But um, come and get it which um, Badfinger wrote, yeah. uh, recorded, excuse me, right. that, that McCartney right. wrote. Yeah, you know, and, and of course, Badfinger had hits on their own, but uh, still, yeah, that's a pretty interesting fact that it's funny that, again, that you brought it up. I just read it last weekend about how McCartney helped uh, Peter and Gordon. Is that, it, that Chad that was and Jeremy, wasn't it? Chad or, and Jeremy. Or was it Peter and Gordon? I can't remember. Let me look. Yeah, yeah. one of the two. Chad, Chad and Jeremy. <laughs> Okay, one yeah, one of those British duos, right? But yeah, it and 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 you know lifted them out of obscurity essentially. Oh no, it was Peter and Gordon. So this must be where I was getting confused. Peter and Gordon, uh, McCartney's classic, "A World Without Love." Um, let's see, Badfinger, come and get it. You mentioned that the the foremost is the name of the band. I'm in love. This may have been my favorite discovery when compiling this list. This author says, "I'm in love" is a very very Beatleish right down to the tight harmonies and Harrison-esque snappy guitar. Regar- uh, regarding the band, it's the same old story. Band gets involved with Brian Epstein, gets to record an unreleased Beatles song with George Martin, has some minor success, and then disappears into obscurity. Billy Kramer and the Dakotas released a song called Bad to Me that was written by them. Chad and Jeremy, From a Window. Uh, Jamie or Jackie Lummox, Sour Milk Sea. Mary Hopkin, Goodbye. Celia Black, It's For You, The Applejacks, Like Dreamers Do, Tommy Quickly, Tip of My Tongue. Those are all songs that were released by other bands that had hits with them that were never released as a Beatles song. Hmm. Hmm. It'd be interesting. I wonder, there's got to be versions of those songs sung by Some demos McCartney. or something, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. surprised those haven't been released yet. Well, Yeah, you know, and you hear a song like Come and Get It. I mean, it is so total McCartney. Right. Where you can just imagine him singing, you know. It, so, yeah, it would. there's got to be demos somewhere of, of him doing. So here, here's the thing, folks. Go out. If you want original movies and you're tired of the same superhero movies, go support movies like Yesterday. Because 
your support of those movies are going to keep money coming in to fund them. If if independent movies like this are not taking off, we're just going to continue to see reboots of Freddy and Jason and Saw and <laughs> superheroes, and we're not going to get anything original because every time a really solid original story comes out, it just gets ignored. Yesterday, how much is? Do we know what the box office is on that? Did you say, Andy? Yeah, I'll have to look it up. But 52, you know, actually, I think fifty-two million is not bad. Yeah, and it was released by Universal. Danny Boyle directed it. I mean, you, you have some big-time support behind the film. Um, it's just, again, I, I think one of the things that's working against it, and I don't agree with this at all, but when you don't have the quote-unquote star power, right. you know, that, that hurts it. Mm-hmm. Look, I think Lily James, who's in it, is brilliant. I love her. I've right. loved her ever since she's in I've never seen Downton Abbey, but I did see... Uh, you know, I became a fan with Cinderella, and then last year she was in the Mamma Mia prequel slash sequel. Um, so, you know, you got solid people. And then, then again, this newcomer, Hymish Patel, again, what an amazing voice this guy has. And he, got, he has quite a presence, too. So you got great people. Oh, Kate McKinnon, I have to. Right. Um, yeah. You, you, no, you didn't like her, though, in that one, or, or Cassie did. No, I can't stand her at all. But that's the point. Her character is supposed to be a completely <laughs> unlikable music agent. Yes. And yeah, she, and that's she what plays I liked really about well. it. It was oh, like she was such of a slime slime ball. Right. And, and uh, I thought she was extraordinary in that role. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, she, I'm not a fan of hers either, really, on Saturday Night Live. I grew tired of her. She makes my skin crawl. I don't know why. I just do not like her. I, there's something about her I can't stand. I, I don't even like her on SNL. I don't like her in anything she's been in. I didn't even see the new the female Ghostbusters because of her. Mm. But, mm. I mean, yeah, her character in this movie was perfect. It was made for her. <laughs> but it's like, mm-hmm. that's like who she is. Ah. So, it's, so you say. I guarantee <laughs> I have a bad harsh. vibe with her. I don't know. I just don't like Kate McKinnon. Sorry. Wow. How do you really feel, honey? Don't hold back. (laughs) She's probably actually like the most decent human being in the world because it's usually who they play on character. They're opposite in real life. I don't know. I've seen her on SNL. I mean, think of all the the Oh, she's seen her on SNL. No. So she knows. That's an act. No, did you see, like, right after the the election, what she did? I don't know. I I don't. I I couldn't (laughs) tell you I don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know who this person is. I know You'd who she, she's like the tall. Yeah, you would know her. She's like the tall um, brunette, right? No, mm-hmm. blonde. You're thinking Kristen Wiig. Maybe. Kristen Wiig is the tall brunette who's in everything. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, Kate McKinnon's the short little blonde. Oh. Who's kind of quirky. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I think Yesterday was great, and its precursor was a movie that came out a few years ago called About Time, which is a great time travel movie. Oh, that, that is a great saw, movie. Right? Mm-hmm. And nobody saw, I think it box office was like $13.5 million for that movie. I didn't see it. I saw it on Netflix. But it's great. But it's a great movie. And everybody I've ever recommended seeing About Time loves it. So see About Time and then watch yeah. Yesterday. You're in oh. for a treat because they are awesome movies that are completely overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I, I shouldn't yeah, say well, that yesterday is not completely overlooked. It's already three times what about yeah. time did, but but yeah. And Richard Curtis, I mean, for to give people some context, I mean, this guy has written the quintessential romantic comedies with four weddings and a funeral and Notting Hill, and he's he also wrote and directed a film that again didn't get appreciated. But Dave, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie called uh, Pirate Radio, a great British comedy. Nick Frost, no. uh, Bill Nye. 
uh, Ken Branagh. I mean, a ton of different people in this movie that is, again, it, it, you scratch your head and it's like, God, if people saw this movie, they would love it. But again, it didn't do anything here. I think it was a hit over in, in, in Great Britain, but here it didn't do anything. But it is a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a music theme movie, much in a way that uh, Yesterday is. Different theme, obviously. But speaking uh, of. Based on a true story of pirate radio stations when they banned rock and roll right. over in the UK at one point. I wonder if part of the reason this movie is not taking off is because it is um, not a quintessential white guy in the lead role. Like, if this was Zac Efron starring in Yesterday, I bet it would have blown up. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, whatever the case may be, I'm glad that Danny Boyle fought to get this guy cast, and clearly because he had all the goods. Right. Well, he's you know? charming, he's awkward, and he's, he's really a good entertainer. But I'm just, I wonder if it's that there wasn't the... You know, you think the Beatles, I, you know, and then you see the, the, the guy playing him and you just think, ah, I have no interest. It's kind of like the movie Blinded by the Light. I'm really excited about seeing that. It's this uh, this kid growing up in England, which, uh, and I don't remember, what, what's his background? Is he Muslim? No, I, th- I believe he's... Pakistani, um, is that what it was? Either Pakistani or Indian. And he's trying to, he's trying to find his place and then he is awoken to the music of Bruce Springsteen. And it changes how he and it looks brilliant. But I've been watching online. And some people are like, oh, "What do I want to watch this crap for?" Why didn't they do it about an American kid? And it's kind of mm-hmm. like oh, it's a shame that you can't get over the the racial hump of just enjoying a really good story. I have a feeling. I have a feeling it's more to do with like what Tim said earlier. Just somebody who nobody knows, mm-hmm. and that that's what people don't want to see. People don't want to branch out of their little worlds of their actors that they've revered and seen for ages they don't want to see new people that's the problem that that's the real problem is they don't give new people a chance because they think that it's just going to be crap because they and look how often that you have those familiar faces in there i mean certainly i think universal was hoping with their dark universe that you know tom cruise was going to be the guy to to launch their their new universe and look what happened not only Mm -hmm. did it underperform it pretty much sunk everything after it (laughs) so yeah i mean even goes to show you that the guy who who really the only movie is he can only seem to open at this point is the mission impossible movie everything else i mean he doesn't quite have that allure that he used to be be fair is there any (laughs) and and even now and look i mean even now that um once upon a time in hollywood is projected to open at thirty million, and you have DiCaprio and Pitt in the thing, along with a bunch of other people. I mean, that to me seems really low for a film that opens in late July. And a Quentin Tarantino so, movie that's one of his last two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or last as he's teasing now. Now he's saying it might be his last. I thought he said he was going to do ten and roll it up. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, he's we'll been see. slated to, do, to take a stab at the Star Trek universe as well. Tarantino. Oh, that's true, and you know, but I'm thinking maybe they're just maybe they could be tired of Tarantino. I who knows? Hard I, to I'm be tired of a guy who only please. releases a movie every like four years, but I guess you're right. Yeah, well, you know, but still, I mean, it, there's something behind it. I mean, who knows? But to me, a thirty million dollar projection at this point for a yeah, July twenty not good. I don't know twenty seventh slot or twenty eighth. That's that's weak for a summer opening. Well, Tim, we are. You no, know, it could out of be time. that it's it's an R movie though. So yeah. 
Could be. Could be. We are out of time. Tim Lammers, good catching up with you, and I'm sure you'll be back again next Monday. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. We have more coming right here on The Family.